from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. As we continue to look at the NFL and the offseason that every fan has been looking at, all eyes continue to be on the draft. Maybe you've made it through free agency. Maybe you're starting to see your team and how they're going to be constructed. But Mel Kuyper Jr.'s got it figured out when it comes to what your favorite team's going to do in the draft with a new mock draft out that has people, by people I mean me, wondering what the heck certain teams are actually planning on doing at this point. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, where were you, like, at what position were you, wide receiver, but where in the draft were you (laughs) taken? Very difficult for me to ask that question. Where in the draft were you selected? I was a third-round draft pick. Oh, it was 80, oh, man, it was the low 80s. Okay. Okay, yeah. and uh, do, do you have like a memory from that day? Because we, we, Harry oh, and I yes. are going to be most, together most doing the draft so. digitally, but we've never really talked about this. What was your draft experience? So, like? so I had my draft party at Hooters. Typical of me to have okay. my draft party at Hooters. Hey, I you like love what wings. I like. Who you cares what everybody else thinks? Mm-hmm. Wings. Uh, it, it was funny, though, because, you know, my mother said that morning that, hey, I have a feeling that you're going to, you know, get drafted by the Falcons. And I was like, whatever, it's not going to happen. It, it's too good to be true. And then when I got, I got my phone, I had a separate phone just for the draft, which is now my AT&T phone that I have now. But I had that phone in the 404 number ring, and, man, I couldn't believe it. And I was just so excited because I was going to get to play home here with the Atlanta Falcons, a team I actually grew up watching. And I actually had a hell of a workout with the Falcons. I got to tell you all this really quick. So they were coming to work out Brian Brom at the time. Uh, because they were trying to choose between Matt Ryan, Brian Brom, some other quarterbacks. I'm halfway to, uh, to Atlanta. I'm in Nashville. Brom calls me, tells me he needs me to uh, come, come catch balls from him. Uh, catching everything, snagging things, one hand all over the place. And, you know, they called me to, to ask me to do another workout. And I actually said, no, I'm not doing another workout because the workout that I had did was so good. Lord and behold, man, I got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Look at that. See, I, I think about that because as we get closer and closer to the draft, Players, fans, teams, everybody's reading these mock drafts. Mel Kuyper has given us his newest mock. This is his third mock ahead of the draft. And obviously these change based on some of what we see from trades to what we expect in free agency. Now we all know that the Carolina Panthers moved up for number one and in a huge trade with the Bears last week. The question is for who, right? Because everybody seems to have their favorite. Well, according to Mel Kuyper Jr.'s mock, he's got C.J. Stroud going at the top of the draft to the Carolina Panthers. Now, uh, some people ask why, but Mel Kuyper uh, has explained some of the why when he talks about the profile, specifically of quarterbacks that Frank Reich has worked with before. He talked about that on Get Up. C.J. Stroud, he got the edge at the number one spot to the Carolina Panthers because he's the big quarterback that Frank Reich has preferred during his career in the National Football League. You're going to get back C.J. Stroud. If he could bottle what he did against Georgia and take that into the NFL throughout his career, he will be outstanding. But we didn't see that on a regular basis at Ohio State, that dual threat capability. Had the strong combine with a real good pro day, private workouts. He can ride that momentum from that Georgia game all the way to be the number one pick overall to the Carolina Panthers. So obviously you talk about the, the patterns of coaches, and you've mentioned yeah. this when you look at certain players. Like When you think about Frank Reich and you think about C.J. Stroud, it does make sense in the sense of what Frank Reich likes at a quarterback. 
Yeah, it does. And Frank Reich is a guy who played the quarterback position in the National Football League. So if it's a model of quarterback that, you know, a coach or a team or organization may think they need or want, I think Frank Wright would know because of his history, not just coaching in the National Football League, but also playing. I also got to give a shout out to Thomas Brown, who's now their offensive coordinator. So me and Thomas Brown was drafted together in 2008 to the Falcons, and he went to Tucker High School. He's a homegrown Georgia boy. And I'm just excited for him because I thought he did a phenomenal job and the way Sean McVay talked about him being a coach and so many people in the Rams organization I think I thought it was overdue I thought he should have been an offensive coordinator and I think he's a guy that could become a head coach probably within the next two or three years as well it feels like these quarterbacks are a little bit of Goldilocks right like uh, you you can come in and say well Bryce Young's just a little too small and maybe CJ Stroud didn't show everybody that he's athletic enough but we haven't seen enough from Will Levis or Anthony Richardson to know who they're going to be long term so I'm not surprised when we see quarterbacks go one, obviously in Mel's most recent draft of the Panthers, C.J. Stroud. At two, Bryce Young going to the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. He did acknowledge here that he had previously uh, mocked a, a trade for Houston, but it seems, and, and again, this is coming off the combine, his line here, it seems general manager Nick Casario and new coach D'Amico Ryans are perfectly okay with staying put and taking a passer here. To me, Harry, that means that what we're hearing is that the Texans seem not to have a huge line in the sand between quarterback one and quarterback two in their mind. Like They've got to have two guys they're very comfortable with if they're comfortable staying at two and taking a quarterback there. And I will continue to point this out. we got to remember, they did draft a wide receiver from Alabama, John Mechie III. He wasn't able to play last year, but hopefully he'll be able to play soon. So if it's one person they know a ton about, it's going to be Bryce Young because of the tape and they had to watch why trying to figure out if they were going to take John Mechie III um, last year. A thing about Bryce Young that I love is that he just has things that you can't coach. You talk about the intangibles, the instincts of the game. And Fitz, I was there to see it up close and personal. Dan Orlowski mentioned this, I think it was on Get Up yesterday, about the Texas game and also the Tennessee game. Well, both of those games, I was able to have a front row seat and see it live and in color. And he left my mouth open on numerous of occasions saying, why, how, is that even possible? But that's the kind of player that Bryce Young is. You look at our game today at the quarterback position, and your guy has to be instinctive. He has to be able to extend plays. And I understand his size may be a question to a lot of people, but you give me a guy that's instinctive and can make plays, that understands the game of football, that's humble, doesn't have the off-the-field issues, and I'm going to take him any day over anybody. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. As you look at the mock draft, when we get to number three, this is where things get interesting. Now, I, I'm going to go full Mr. Cleo on here. I'm going to tell everybody I told you so. I think quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, and four. In Mel's mock, he's got quarterbacks going one, two, and three. He's got the Colts trading up one spot uh, with Arizona to get to the third pick, which makes sense if they are absolutely in love with the next quarterback. Even if it is only moving up one spot, you're going to move up to make sure nobody else does. He's got the Colts moving up one spot to take Will Levis out of Kentucky. What gets a little interesting to me about that, though, Harry, and this is where I think, frankly, you, you just got to look at it, all your options. If you're the Colts, I think it's going to take a King's Ransom to move up even one pick because so many teams are going to want to move up into the three spot for a quarterback. If you're going to have to pay a, a, a ton in trade leverage, why would you not just look at Lamar? I I, I don't I know yeah. that there's still a lot of uh, dominoes to fall in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, but in my mind, if I'm going to have the choice between trading up for Will Levis or trading up for Lamar Jackson, I'm trading for Lamar. Like, there's not even a, a second of hesitation there. I don't care about the money. Uh, Will Levis is an absolute roll of the dice. Lamar isn't. 
Well, I'll tell you this. Don't be surprised if you see the Colts make a run at Lamar Jackson. Don't be surprised by any means because you look at a guy that they brought in as their head coach and Shane Steichen and what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position last year. He was able to put Jalen Hurts in, in, in comfortable situations uh, in, in which he was able to exploit his strengths and never his weaknesses. And I can't help but think about it, and I continue to bring this up, Fitz, in that game in the Super Bowl when Jalen Hurts had that fumble Shane Steichen was able to call plays that following drive that got Jalen Hurts the ball, that put the ball in his hands for him to make decisions. And that told me a lot about the belief that he had in Jalen Hurts, but it also told me a lot about him as a play caller, that he wasn't going to shy away from, you know, the guy that got them to this point and take the ball out of his hands. He, he went back to him uh, in, 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 in a manner that in which I thought it was rightfully so. And I, I just love everything about Shane Steichen right now at this point. Lamar Jackson in that system, we know what Lamar Jackson can do. Um, can he help him in the pass game? Probably so. And that, that would be another plus for Lamar as well. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't look at him if you're the Colts instead of drafting a young guy and hoping that guy uh, can be what you want him to be versus knowing what Lamar Jackson already is. Uh, but don't don't count out don't count out Jim Irsay. I, I don't put anything past him. I promise. Well, and you've been saying that from the beginning. I, yep. I will toot my teammates' horn here. Toot toot. Just tell everybody from the outset. Harry Douglas has said this makes too much sense. And Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for ESPN, put an article up on the dot com yesterday saying within hours of the Ravens placing the non exclusive uh, tag on franchise. Quarterback Lamar Jackson reports surfaced numerous teams had no interest. The Indianapolis Colts, he says, were not among those teams. He has an article up there pointing out why Lamar Jackson makes sense for the Colts. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, as so many people will say, uh, well, you can't give up the, the draft equity. Well, let's remember the Colts gave up a first and third round pick for Carson Wentz. So Ooh. miss me with that. Yeah, exactly. So miss me with any conversation that they're not going to be willing to give up. If the Colts go into this draft and they realize that they have two options, don't get the guy you love or pay a bunch for Lamar Jackson. When you have gone out and promised your fan base you're going to address the quarterback position, you can't come away with nothing. Like, I just, I don't think there's any happy medium in here. If the guy they love is goes off the board one or two, they're going to have to take Lamar Jackson at well, that point. Well, well, here's the thing about the Colts, right? You look at the division, and I think Tennessee took a step back, and they're trying to revamp some things and get things back going um, across the board. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and the step forward that they've taken, right, with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson going down there and being the guy that helped, helped transform him into the player that we've seen him be in college. You also look at the Houston Texans, in which I wouldn't sleep on people because all they need to do is get a quarterback. I like the pieces in place that they're putting together defensively and offensively, right? You just got D'Amico Ryans as the head coach, a guy who played in that organization and, and, and knows it top to bottom. So I wouldn't count out the Houston Texans. So if you're the Colts, you're looking at the division and saying, you know what, we can't get left behind. We have to have the quarterback position be very valuable and be an asset to us and not a deficiency. And the last few years, that's what that was. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the quarterback position plays out. But with all that being said, the absolute best player in this draft, in my opinion, could be the biggest gamble. And we'll break down what it will mean for whoever takes him. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 
2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. We're going to spend most of our time obsessed with quarterbacks in the draft. But to many draft experts, the best player in this draft is not a quarterback. And while he might be the best player coming into this draft, he could not present the biggest risk. So how will teams handle it? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And if you look at Mel Kuyper's new mock draft that's up on ESPN.com, uh, as we were just talking about, he's got quarterbacks going one, two, three. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and then uh, he's got the Colts trading up to take Will Levis before we've seen any non-quarterback go off the board. In fact, he's got quarterbacks for uh, five of the four of the first five picks. But the most interesting pick might be at number six. Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, Harry, is in this mock draft going to number six. And it's interesting because if you simply look at the film on Jalen Carter, the film is undeniable. But since the end of the season, he's obviously uh, faced charges uh, for his involvement in an accident uh, for reckless driving. He was driving uh, well past the speed limit. Uh, That obviously, he pled no contest to the misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing uh, for his alleged role in a January 15th car wreck that killed an offensive lineman and recruiting staff member from Georgia. He also showed up at his pro day nine pounds heavier than he was at the NFL Combine, seemed unable to finish some of the position drills, seemed a little out of shape, seemed to be winded, seemed to be uh, distracted. Jalen Carter becomes one of the most interesting questions because simply by the film, he looks like the best player in the draft to me. Everything else becomes questions that teams will need to get answers on right away. And here's the thing about a lot of teams, right? And I'm going to mention them, starting with the Seattle Seahawks at five. I know they wouldn't mind having a guy like that, even if they decide they want to, you know, I know they're in the quarterback sweepstakes. They signed Geno Smith, but they want a quarterback there. I know Mel has has them taking Anthony Richardson, right, in the mock draft uh, to probably learn behind Geno and get acclimated to the game and being a pro that whole nine. But if Jalen Carter's on the board, I don't know how you don't take him. Also, for the Detroit Lions, we've seen what they just did free agent-wise and revamping their secondary and adding guys. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the biggest one that they brought into their secondary. You think about the year that Aiden Hutchinson had over the nine sacks. You look at James Houston. They hit a gym, right? A guy from Jackson State who Rex Ryan really, really loves, but balled out this year, had eight sacks. You look at him. Adding Jalen Carter to, Carter to the mix of that, oh, my goodness would be phenomenal. You look at the Raiders, but I don't think the Raiders can necessarily take him there because of what happened with the Henry Ruggs uh, situation, uh, Fitz, and you spoke on that uh, over, over and over again. Now, you got the Falcons at eight. I think this is a spot where the Falcons can take a guy like Jalen Carter because the simple fact that you look at Grady Jarrett, who, who, who's on their defensive line and the, the monster he has been able to be throughout his career, not just a one-hit wonder, but throughout his entire career. You pair those two guys up together, they are revamping their secondary as well. Brought in Jesse Bates the third, who's really going to help that football team. You got A.J. Terrell. Now it's starting to make sense for the Atlanta Falcons defensively to have a pass rush, something that they have lacked over the last few years. And you also, lastly, you look at the Chicago Bears, who traded out of the number one spot with the Carolina Panthers. If Jalen Carter is there at, at, at nine, 
I don't see how the Bears don't take him with the help they need defensively as well. So a lot of teams in the top 10 that can use a player like Jalen Carter, and I understand it may be some red flags, but the talent speaks for itself. And we all know when you have a guy on that defensive line that, that can, not saying he's Aaron Donald, but I'm just going to use Aaron Donald as an example who can rush the quarterback from a defensive tackle position and is a physical presence, and we know he's mean and he's going he's gonna to garner double teams, it means a lot to your defense. Jalen Carter is the type of prospect that is going to get people fired one way or the other. If you pass on him and he turns out to be the next Aaron Donald and everything's going to be absolutely great in his whole career and he straightens everything out, then the question is going to be, why did you not do the homework to figure out that you could get the best out of the young man? If you don't pass on him, you take him, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in this situation where you get him and he's just not able to be the player you need because of the things off the field that are impacting his life then you're going to have to answer for why you didn't get a better sense of the young man. It's why I keep saying over and over again, I agree with you. I think, by the way, the Raiders are in a situation because of Henry Ruggs where it makes taking a player like Jalen Carter that's been in these speeding incidents, uh, it, it makes it almost impossible for the organization to do. But right now, this is where your front office needs to be sitting down with the guy and sitting down with the human being, sitting down with his mom and dad, hiring a PI if you have to, a private investigator, as they do oftentimes with first-round draft picks. Go talk to everybody that's ever been around him get a sense of who he is get a sense of what you can do to put the right structure around and get a sense of if he's ready to be the adult that he has to be I, it is such a massive transition to go from being a kid in college to being a multimillionaire overnight that jobs depend on their ability to be successful you got to know the human being right and that's what makes this really difficult because every team you just mentioned every single team you just mentioned could be incredibly improved simply by adding Jalen Carter if they're getting the best of Jalen Carter, the football player, and they're able to keep him track on track. He becomes an absolute bust if you can't get that out of him. And there's so little wiggle room in the middle. I'm going to add two more things to the list, too. If you're an organization, your player development guy or woman, whoever it may be, right? Each team has one. Do you trust that guy or that woman enough to say, you know what? We can grab this young man. We got it. Do you trust your locker room enough? Do you have the right veterans in place that can rally around him and he can learn from, right, to, to, to be that dominant player, not just on the field but off the field as well? Those are two things I think that are, that are very important if you're these, these teams looking at, you know, Jalen Carter at whatever spot that it, it may be. Do, is my player development guy or lady, can they add value to his life and help this young man in areas that he needs to help? Also, do you have the right supporting cast uh, upon your roster? Do you have the right veterans, guys that he can look up to and, and be an example for Jalen Carter to follow? Those, yeah. those two things are very important as well. Yeah, it's such a smart point by you, and I continue to think, you know, when you start looking at, at Jalen Carter and his opportunity here, Laramie Tunsil is somebody that on draft day, because of a video with him uh, smoking weed, he, he absolutely plummeted on that day. And it was a surprise to everybody because that information came out Minutes before the draft, right? The information on Jalen Carter's out today. So this is why teams need to get ahead of it. They have the opportunity that nothing should surprise anybody when it comes to Jalen Carter. You got to get a sense of the human being because if the rest of this wasn't happening off the field with the with the racing charges and with the misdemeanor reckless driving, if these things weren't happening off the field, there would be no questions. I'll tell you this, though. Check this out. If the Lions can get Jalen Carter at sixth, to pair him up with Aiden Hutchinson and everyone else on that defense that they believe in, 
watch out for the Detroit Lions. I already think you need to watch out for the Lions as is. But if they can get Jalen Carter at six, my goodness. Yeah, the, my, Li- my goodness. the Lions have invested on the defensive side of the ball. So, I, uh, you know, that'd be a great opportunity for them to continue to do that. All right, coming up, what happens when Adam Schefter asks you for professional advice? A story you do not want to miss next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Do you envision yourself playing multiple years with the Jets, or is it just a one-year type thing? If I'm Green Bay and I'm sitting around, you offer me a third or a contingent or a fifth, and if they have no leverage, that's all you should offer. If you're offering me that, I'm telling you to go to hell. If the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, who are they turning to right now? Be adults, settle it clearly, keep the kids in mind, and move on. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Christine Lisi, by the way, always does such great work. Like, I realize as I'm trying to read one line, I'm just in my mind, all I'm screaming to myself, Harry, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. Then Christine just waltzes in and makes it look effortless while she reads an entire Sports Center update. That's because she's a professional and I'm just a professional idiot. There's a there's a, a staggering difference between what the two of us do. Uh, thank you so much for the support on that, Devin. God, you know, we're going to have a show meeting today. Uh, we yeah, never Devin, that's, that, that's not cool by you, Devin. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about this, though. Yeah, we're going to talk gonna, about this. Whole probably on the pod. Yeah, probably. Uh, one... Uh, we need to bring in more professionalism here. And for that, the great Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. Diana, uh, save me from myself at this point. I just heard this story, so I need you to tell the world. What role did you play in Shefty getting blown off by Aaron Rodgers? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, credit to Christine. I've never even heard her fumble on a word. In no. all the years I've been listening to her, ever. It's, ever. it's such a skill, and people listening in their cars right now or maybe at work, probably think it's easier than it is. But it is hard to read out loud. And sometimes I know she's also ad-libbing, but either way, reading or, or just going off the top of your head is difficult, and she is a pro. Yeah, no doubt. And she's doing it while I'm sitting next to her half the time, like drinking a protein shake and making all sorts of like eighth grade noises. So I don't know, like, I don't know how she handles any of that. Um, yeah, she's, she's a star there. So um, back to your original question, though about the situation with Rodgers uh, last week. Yeah, it, w- it was a really um, high-pressure week to begin with. It's NFL free agency. Adam Schefter is obviously basically owning the league in terms of breaking news left and right. Um, and we had a lot of TV to contribute to that those few days. And, um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is without a doubt the biggest story of the offseason, as it was last week. And Shefty you know, is talking to all the right people and we're, you know, we share a lot of our stuff together and, and, you know, we didn't know if Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets was official yet. And Trey Wingo had reported that it was done. And it was almost a little shocking because we knew that we had all of our ducks in a row that if this was going to happen, we were going to find out probably first. So we were like, whoa, we just got scooped big time. So, 
what had happened was uh, Adam started to dig on it, talk to all the people involved, and everyone was pointing the finger to someone else, meaning sources in New York were saying, call Aaron's people. Aaron's people were saying, talk to New York. New York was saying, talk to Green Bay. Like, we were just running around in circles, and it was driving us crazy. So it was commercial break from NFL Live, and we're sitting next to each other, kind of both a little frustrated. And I said, let's just call Aaron. What, what are we doing? Let's call him. And he's like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, why don't you just text him? So Shefty texted him. He didn't text back. And he's like, he didn't text him back. I said, well, you know what? This is a situation where I think you just call the guy. Um, so he called. He got sent right to voicemail. And then uh, he got a text message. And he showed me his phone. I think we were actually live on TV. You could see him showing it to me. Uh, and that's when uh, Aaron sent back that uh, amazing response, basically, lose my number, nice try. Uh, <laughs> so so that's kind of how it all came together. Oh, man. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. But I, I love, I love like, you. This, this is, and, and you, you've heard players in the past say this publicly. Yeah. They wish that they were included in on these reports. Uh, I've had so many players over the years say to me, why don't you just call me? Or next time, can you just text me if you're going to put that out? And I've tried to stick with that as well. And whether it's good or bad, give teams heads up, uh, you know, on stuff. And I just thought Adam was doing his job. And I had uh, texted and called Aaron myself over the last few months, uh, basically saying, hey, I'm on television talking about you. And the only information I have is those that are close to you that share with me and information from teammates and from, from teams. Um, but I want to represent you in the best way I can. Um, here's an avenue if you ever want to talk. Uh, you know, give me a call. If there's ever something you don't like about what I'm saying or if it's incorrect, shoot me a note, you know. And he's never responded to me uh, all these years. But he, uh, he, he did respond to Shefty. And uh, now Shepard knows where he stands when it comes to to uh, calling people in 2023. Apparently, if you call people, nobody likes that. <laughs> well, Diana, I, w- I want to tell both you and Adam, both of y'all are just doing your job, right? And you're trying to do your job to the best of your ability. Uh, neither one of you, neither one of you did anything wrong. And I commend y- y'all for everything that y'all do for ESPN because you know when y'all come out with news, we know it's valuable, and we know you guys, you know, have high regards for what you do and in, 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 in the news that you do break. But I also want to ask, ask you about Odell Beckham Jr. because you uh, you, were, you you said that. You know, the Jets are interested in him. Where, where do they stand on bringing him in? Yeah, so obviously everything involving the Jets right now is a little bit in flux as we're waiting for the biggest piece of the puzzle, which is Aaron Rodgers. So until this becomes official, I don't see them making any big moves um, officially. Um, so for now, I think there's just they're watching this. They're keeping an eye on Odell. Um, the last I checked in, uh, we were told that, that there was no official offer. Uh, for Odell just yet. So in terms of the Jets, you know, trying to, to, to get him to come to New York. But in, in just from having conversations, guys, around the league over the last few days, with those that are interested in adding a receiver, you know, the asking price for Odell, you know, 15 to 20 mil plus, uh, or excuse me, 15 plus to, to about 20 mil. Obviously, that's all incentives and uh, kind of similar to the way you saw the Rams do that, you know, two years ago. They put in a lot of incentives for him 
Um, you know, most teams just thought the asking price was just a little too much. So I know it's come down since because, look, it's a negotiation tactic, right? Like, you're always going to ask for more, and it's smart by Odell's people to, to start off that way. But um, I'm not sure if he's going to get a, a long-term deal this time around. It may look just like a one-year deal um, that the Rams gave him, you know, two years ago. So, you know, I think – I know teams are still watching it. I can tell you that from this morning, having some conversations with some GMs, you know, everyone kind of is interested to see where this is going to land. But uh, I can tell you that teams like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Jets, they're all, they're all watching to see how this kind of shakes out. Diana, as always, you are the best, my friend. We can all agree on one thing. Uh, a, none of us would ever tell Shefty not to text us. Uh, B, my my team has the best looking quarterback in the NFL, right? Like that's the, that's the pride I'm taking now. Uh, look, may not be a good team, but boy, is my quarterback pretty. So that you know, you can't you can't stop that breakdown. But you know what? You should take that win. Who knows where we're, what we're going to be talking about in six months? But for for March 21st, you take that and, and you smile brightly today, there, Fitz. But you know what? I'm gonna stand up in the bars this fall when every hang time your hat on it, buddy. When, hang when your hat on it. Don't go right. I'm just gonna stand up in the sports bar and say, "Yeah, but damn it, he's pretty." All right, that's all I got. <laughs> Diana, as always, we appreciate your time and uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for the insight. Thanks, guys. That's Diana Rossini hanging out with us. Uh, look, I'll take any win I can get, and uh, win in the in the looks department counts. Uh, coming up, how the mighty have fallen in the NFL. One team that should be under the microscope and for some reason isn't. We're going to fix that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Nose Pros. and Harry, the podcast. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. Anyone that's ever invested may have seen that notice on whatever they're investing in. A way of saying, hey, whatever happened then may not happen again. Maybe it's time to start saying that very same thing about Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And look, at some point, it just sort of is what it is. You stack the cards in this one, Harry, and I'm looking across the board at the AFC East, and I'm I'm realizing more and more as we get closer to the next chapter in the offseason that there's a gap in talent. There's a gap in understanding what they're trying to accomplish. Like The Patriots feel like they've been left behind by the rest of the division. And in fact, Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst on Get Up This Morning, said this about Bill Belichick specifically. Now he's back in this situation with no damn wide receivers, no explosive offense. The Miami Dolphins added Tyreek Hill. They got Jalen Waddle. They just added Jalen Ramsey on defense. The New York Jets are about to get Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. The Buffalo Bills went and added Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and have won this division the past two years. And you telling me that we're going to continue to come on TV and talk about, well, the New England Patriots need to do this. I get it. Your success gives you a little bit of time to do things right and get things fixed. The New England Patriots right now, under Bill Belichick, who is the general manager, are not doing enough to win games. Ooh. It, it feels fair to me. I mean, 
They don't. They don't have great talent. They don't have a great answer quarterback. They don't have any sort of real solutions moving forward. It, it feels like Belichick and the Patriots have been left behind. Well, I, I will say what I said on first take last year before the season even started. I predicted that the New England Patriots weren't going to make the playoffs. It's because offensively they don't have those playmakers. And now they just signed Juju Smith-Schuster. They got Mike Kosecki, who was in Miami um, last year. Those are going to be solid additions, but. Who is the person who's going to take the top off the defense? Is it going to be Thornton? Is he going to be healthy enough to play all games? Is he going to progress, you know, at the draft of them? I think it was either last year or the year before last. Is he going to be better this year than he was last year? Is he going to be healthy? Also, now they do have an offensive coordinator in which Bill Belichick, I don't know, he was mysteriously doing these experimental things on who was going to be his offensive coordinator last year. Is it Joe Judge? Uh, is it Patricia? And we all seen how that went, right, to the point of where Mac Jones was so frustrated that he started calling out people on the sidelines and saying things that I can't, I'm not allowed to say right here on this broadcast, on this show, because I can't use the F-bomb like Mac Jones did. But that tells you Friend? how frustrated he was. I wish it was friends, but he wasn't friend whatever they had going on last year. Mm -hmm. But I just, for this New England Patriots team, defensively, they were 10th, top 10 in defense. Offensively, they were horrific. Protecting the quarterback, lacking explosive plays. You just hope they can be better in that. Now, you look at the AFC East now, Fitz. You look at Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You look at Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. Who am I missing, Fitz? You look at the Jets now, who now are supposed to acquire Aaron Rodgers. You're behind the eight ball. You're clearly the fourth best team in your division. Clearly the fourth uh, uh, best team in your division. So now you're climbing uphill, right? You're pedaling uphill on the bicycle, and we all know that's going to burn your quads. So, Bill <laughs> Belichick, what are you going to do? How are you going to progress this football team and put this football team in a position to be successful? How are they going to get explosive plays? Thank God they got Bill O'Brien coming back from the University of Alabama, who was once a New England Patriot and coaching there and their offensive coordinator. Hopefully he can design things and get Mac Jones back to playing football like he was his rookie season. But Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in this division because of the other guys that are in the division. I, I agree with everything you just said, and I'll echo the sentiment I've been saying for a year. Whatever's wrong with the Patriots is only Bill Belichick's fault. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the one that has the final say in everything. Fitz and Harry, by the way, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. And when you start talking about the regression of the quarterback, that would be Bill Belichick's fault because of the coaches he put uh, in charge of the progression of the quarterback. When you talk about the lack of playmakers in the past, that's all squarely on the the, the shoulders of Bill Belichick. And in fact, uh, Devin McCourty uh, came out and he was obviously part of this Patriots team last year. This was his quote about the quarterback. He said, I think there were some guys in the locker room that were like, let's go with Zappy or no, Mac looked good today. I, it was just back and forth, which to me spoke more about about what we had on offense than the quarterback. We never were solidified as an offense. Guys, a uh, group the guys had full confidence in anything we were doing. There was never true hope. He said that on WEEI. So you're talking about that sort of a, a concept and a conversation. If we're having that about any other coach with lesser name than Bill Belichick, all of a sudden today the sky is falling. And I understand what Belichick has accomplished. Two things can be true. You can have accomplished incredible things. And right now you can be not doing a good job. And I feel like that's exactly what we're seeing. The Patriots beat themselves last year with stupidity over and over and over again. That's not the way they usually run their their operation. To me, at some point, you got to look in the mirror if you're Belichick and say, man, I'm screwing this whole thing up. And, and they are squarely the fourth place team in the division right now. Well, if you need to look at one play or multiple plays, but I'll say one play in particular, look at the play against the Raiders that ended that game. 
That tells you everything you need to know about the New England Patriots in 2022. Things we would have never seen from a New England Patriots team that we've seen in 2022, we would have never seen that in years prior. Right, but that lets you know that maybe Bill Belichick and his messaging needs to be a little bit different. It needs to, you know, be a little bit more productive. Not saying that Bill Belichick is a bad coach, and you know, but sometimes you need to switch things up, probably, because obviously the team last year wasn't receiving the messages the way the previous teams were receiving the messages from them. So now you want to do things a little differently. And I, the quarterback position is a position you can't play with. You can't teeter with that, especially when you have a young guy. So not having an offensive coordinator after Josh McDaniels went to the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders really, really hurt that football team. And I would reiterate this over and over again. We've seen it from Mac Jones during games. We've seen the frustration on the sidelines. We've seen when they needed a big play, they didn't really have what it took to get the big play. Right? So now you got a dink and dunk. You can't throw the football downfield. You can't do a lot of other things because you're deficient on the offensive side of the ball. And that, those are just things we aren't accustomed to seeing on a consistent basis from the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I just I don't believe in Mac Jones. And I think right now, if you even if the, the Jets don't go out that's and That's even get more every- of a reason why you can't play around with the offensive coordinator position because you're already having a guy that's not the most athletic. I to- at, the, at the position. I totally agree. I think they have butchered this whole thing. They botched the entire process of figuring out how to move their roster forward. And frankly, I know we're all obsessed with the fact that Aaron Rodgers is likely to end up a Jet. Even if he doesn't, I'd still take the Jets over the Patriots this year. The Jets are a better roster top to bottom right now than the Patriots are top to bottom. And that is just, uh, that has nothing to do with what they've accomplished in the past. I can, uh, oh, while saying oh, all of this. And think about this. Zach Wilson was worse than Mac Jones last year. I mean, I, it, <laughs> that's about that. the fact is, I, I don't think the page, I think the Patriots for the first time in a generation have more question marks than answers. And it's time for the fan base to accept that this isn't what they're used to seeing. And nothing is easily going to turn this back to what they have seen in the past. Lots to prove there. All right, coming up, fake awards for real signings and one NFL signing and what it says about one of the NFL's biggest myths. Fitz and Harry next on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 